Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm one of your co-hosts, Phil Souza, and I'm here with my co-host, my good friend, and the guy who lives life with plus two to agility. It's Jack Altermat. Do you How's like D- Do you like D and D, everybody? Because this is kind of like an homage. <laughs> this movie is kind of like an homage to Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons, fantasy world stuff. Uh, but a fun ride overall. Thanks for having me, Phil. Thanks for thanks for doing this. <laughs> uh, we also have a very special guest with us, uh, at least for part of the podcast, Miller J. I, I don't know your middle initial. Yep. Miller Altermat. No, Miller J. Um, Miller I'll J. tell you, okay. uh, we around the house. Oh, Jackson. Yeah. We call it Miller time around here. Miller time! <laughs> uh, Miller, how old are you? Um, I'm nine this year. I'm going to be turning 10 September 15th. Okay. Free okay. invites already to my house. Oh, please. Oh, oh, share okay. six feet in distance with me. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, Hopefully coronavirus is done by then, but we'll, we'll see. Oh, probably, please. Probably. <laughs> Very just good. saying, just saying. Um, so yeah, we w- definitely wanted to have uh, a cool kid on the podcast this week because of the subject matter. We're we're talking about uh, the latest Pixar animated film, Onward, uh, which we talked about it last week, so we won't belabor it here. But uh, what a strange turn of events for this movie. I, I don't think anyone at Pixar could have predicted this uh, even three or four months ago. Um, you know, back when coronavirus was just a twinkling in some Wuhan citizen's eye, um, but. Uh, or a bat's eye. I don't know <laughs> wherever this thing came from, but um, yeah, back then nobody was expecting that onward would literally released to crickets, like to empty theaters. And then two weeks later, the, all the theaters would close. And then this movie would be released on uh, Disney plus streaming service only fi- a mere five weeks after its initial uh, theater release. So I I'm assuming you guys just, Got to watch it for the first time, right? You did not see it in theaters? No, we definitely did not go to theaters and watch. We couldn't have gotten us to go uh, to a theater even in the last month or so just because of all the uh, scary stuff that's been going on. But um, I think, oddly enough, um, the fact that this has went on, honestly almost straight, almost immediately to On Demand and then very quickly after that uh, to Disney+, Plus. I think it's actually benefited this movie because now this has been one of the bigger movies of this time period. You know, it's probably, you know, it's as far as movies go, it's the one major release movie uh, that a large group of people have watched in the yeah. last month. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it. Uh, I guess it is fair to say that it, I think it released to, um, like streaming services like Vudu and Apple, iTunes or whatever, Google Play, or I, I don't know all the different places, but um, like it released to them like a week before Disney Plus. So technically speaking, you can watch this at home like four weeks after the movie, the original theater release, and then it's been available on Disney Plus since then. But um, I imagine probably at least a million subscribe new subscribers to Disney Plus just because of this movie. I mean, you can literally start a one week trial and watch this movie for free um, right now, which is insane. And um, you know. Um a big thing that's really it's kind of unprecedented that something comes to a streaming service this quickly. The only other thing I can remember, and this is actually for a, for a totally different reason. And because it wasn't very good, the, the interview with Seth Rogen and uh, what was his name? James Franco was, was on Netflix like that because oh, North yeah. Korea was freaking out. And yeah, was that's whole right. Sony pictures hack. And there's a whole other thing that happened because of it. 
Yeah, I forgot all about that. But there's di- different circumstances here, right? Oh yeah, different. <laughs> yeah, but but very similar. I, I mean, basically, where you know they were going one direction with that movie's release, and then made a huge left turn at the last minute. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, but it's, it's on Disney plus now people can watch it. Um, I imagine probably a lot of people are watching it. I don't know if their subscriptions will, will hold or they'll just, you know, do six days and then cancel their subscription or whatever after they've seen the movie a few times. But, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy, uh, circumstances and kind of makes me wonder about, I don't know. Well, I guess I, I'm not up on the news, but like, uh, Pixar was supposed to release a, another movie, this summer like in mm. june i think i don't know what was it um god i'm blanking on this another one word title i think wally 2.0 no no um, uh, uh rotten tomatoes on this movie critics are 87 percent, which is really high for critics oh, and yeah. 90 and 95 percent for audience so again i think that i think that for this movie this odd odd hopefully never happen again circumstance uh has maybe benefited it a I say that all being said, it still would have been a massive, don't you feel like it would have been a pretty big movie in the theater though? Had there been a full on non COVID release? Oh yeah. Oh, this movie would have been huge. It, it would have, I, I honestly, and it's kind of sad to, to <clears throat> discuss this like this, but like, I mean, this movie is not going to do very well financially. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I think it's good for Disney plus and it's going to be hard for Disney. I think to gauge how much money they're, pulling from this movie based on like new subscriptions you know they're guessing at a lot of the numbers that they're getting right now mm-hmm. um but i mean the wikipedia page on this movie will always say box office equals whatever 104, yeah it's 104 million and they spent 200 million double that on on the budget to make this movie and so this movie is going to look like a terrible loss and and the, the fact is no one is ever going to be able to fully track how much money this thing actually made except for like sales you know like um sales on itunes or whatever like people buying the, the digital copy of the movie or buying the the blu-ray copy of the movie all right which you know who's going to walmart and buying blu-rays right now but you know they're, they're just going to have to track sales through that and then honestly this thing's going to look like it only made like 300 million dollars but um it, it had it actually had like a full justified run in theaters it could have made five six seven hundred million dollars um, or more. So it's kind of crazy. The The other Pixar movie I looked it up is soul S O U L. Um, and Oh yeah. According to, this is really strange, but according to pixar.com slash upcoming, where you can kind of see what their upcoming movies are. This is Pixar's official website. It says U S release date, June 19th. So, um, I doubt that that happens, but that's what the website says right now. So we shall see what happens, pal. And it'd be very interesting. I don't, I mean, here's my prediction on that movie. I, I don't see them going straight to Disney plus with it. That, that seems like a terrible waste of money. Um, they probably spent another couple hundred million making this movie, uh, soul. And so, uh, my guess is they milk it as much as they can kind of doing what like trolls world tour is going to do this weekend. And some other movies are doing all summer, which is basically straight to video, but it's a $20 rental. You don't, you you, you only get it for 48 hours. You spend 20 bucks on it. I can see them doing that with soul for a month, maybe a month and a half. And then eventually releasing it to Disney plus after that, once they, you know, kind of gotten as many rentals as they can. Right. But, uh, otherwise it's going to get pushed. I, I, I would imagine they would just release it in the fall or something like a lot of other movies are, are doing bond, bonds, 
the the new Bond twenty five movie, twenty uh, fifth Bond movie that's that's was supposed to be out in November of last year is now pushed all the way into like twenty twenty one or something like that. And that's it's just crazy. because I mean that that movie is gonna it's gonna make seven or eight hundred million dollars in the box office, and they're not gonna they don't want to release it right now. Like they're just like, hey, we'll sit on it for a year. So. I feel like that's justified right now, especially in the time period we're in and all the things that are happening. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we got Miller on. Let's let's get to the movie. Um, so um, obviously, we you know this movie's so recent, we don't really have to go over a lot of the stats. Um, it, it originally uh, released in the, in theaters in the United States, at least in on March sixth. So just basically about a month ago, <laughs> a month ago today, actually today's April sixth as we're recording this. Uh, so it released a month ago. Um, it had a, a budget, like we said earlier, about, about two hundred million, and made about half of that in the theaters before all the theaters closed. Um, it, yeah, yeah, hundred million. It sounds like a lot. Hundred million sounds like a lot, but when you spent two hundred million on the making the movie, it's to like okay, it. that's yeah. that's a okay. pretty bad. Pretty but bad but that's and again the, I think maybe you have one solid week of actual what what would normally be the thing, and then week two was hampered, and then week three is the lowest total box office. I'm saying of all cinemas, the lowest total box office. Since October of 1998, I'm oh, saying for, the, for not for just this movie. I'm saying for all movies combined that weekend, that third movie. So it really, I mean, it didn't, it did, it did all it could with the horrible circumstance it was released on. So. And the the movie that that is like everything you need to know to know that the movie theaters were basically forced to close. Well, like I'll say like, I'll say this, and this is uh, comparing one horrible tragedy to another horrible tragedy, and I'm not meaning anything by it, but like the stat of October, 1998, you would think it would be uh, September of 2001, like around September 11th weekend, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, sure. As the bad, as the bad grossing <laughs> box office. But instead it's for whatever reason, October, 1998, maybe the final destination two came out that weekend or something. I'm not sure <laughs> that weekend. So, um, all right. So, um, kind of the one sentence kind of synopsis of the movie is, um, uh, set in a suburban fantasy world. The film follows two elf brothers who set out on a quest to find an artifact that will bring back their deceased father. Um, how much did you guys know about the movie before watching it? And then, uh, so that's question one. And then question two is, uh, what were kind of your overall thoughts on the movie? Um, after watching it, I saw, I saw a preview on this movie and I cannot remember what it was in. It may have been a star Wars, one of the star Wars films, and it was a long time ago, and I remember watching it and thinking, oh, okay, that's going to be a movie about magic culture stuff, uh, elf and type things. But I also, I remember the most recent uh, trailer for this gave away a large amount of the movie. Like, I felt oh, like really? I knew, I felt like I knew what was going to happen in this movie based on the trailers. This is one of those Aaron Dicer moments where you, you know, <laughs> you don't watch any of the trailers ever and then you're completely surprised by it well i wish that now in retrospect i would have taken on the 
the no uh, trailer challenge. Uh, I, I I normally don't do that, but with this movie, with and honestly, generally with anything Pixar or Marvel or Star Wars, uh, I I avoid trailers as much as I can because I do want to be surprised. Um, for every other movie out there, I watch the trailer and it's fine. But I, I generally don't want to be spoiled on anything when I go see Marvel or or anything else I'm really excited about. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I watched a commercial, like a 30 second commercial or something on this movie. I was like, wow, that looks really cool. I liked the animation style and kind of the setting for it. Um, but I, like, I'm telling you, going into this movie, I didn't even know that there was a deceased father. Like, I, I, knew, I knew zero about like, what the actual plot of the movie was. Right. And so um, I was surprised by a lot of it. Like, it, it actually, uh, it genuinely it, uh, shocked me, like, how ser- like, serious the movie is. Like, it's, it's very, I mean, it's literally about bringing back a dead dad. And like, and I, we were showing this to our three-year-old as well as my wife and I. And like, there was definitely a few moments in there where we we're like, "Man, is this a little too old for her?" But she loved it. She really got into it. I think a lot of some of the heavier subject matters were over her head, which was fine. Um, but yeah, it was definitely um, more serious than, than I thought. But um, Miller, I, I want to get you talking here. What 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 do you think about the movie overall? What were some of your favorite parts? What do you think about the plot? Um, I'll give it a five point four point five stars. Out of five? Yeah. Four point five out of five. Okay. That's great. So four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. And I really thought the movie was sweet in ways and then it could just do something that you didn't think what was going going to happen. I mean, there's all these things that are just crazy and why did the magic fade away because people made stuff that were new they stopped maybe believing in how yeah. the magic worked and then and then they have the magic card game which was weird that they actually know that's real cuz no oh. the the person the manticore Manticore. Uh huh. The Manticore. It it was the card. The Phoenix Stone was in there. I mean, it's it's so weird how Disney plans out things. But <laughs> Disney doesn't make a lot of money for their stuff. They do, but they do a good job of planning out things. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pretty organized on how they that do things. Their writers are unbelievable. So. Mm-hmm. I just wish. I just wish it wasn't for one day you got to see your dad because that was sad, wasn't it, Phil? Yeah. yeah. I like I uh, man this this movie. I mean, okay, we're gonna we're, if we haven't told you or given you the idea already, we're gonna spoil this movie. So I uh, this is your chance if you're listening to this on the on your podcast player to turn back. Might <laughs> or, be too or, late. Yeah, like, maybe too late now, but that's uh, okay. But pause pause Forget the podcast. I'm, I'm gonna spoil pause the ending. Pause. So like, if, I, if you don't hear. want the if you don't want the ending spoiled, um, definitely hit pause and and watch the movie come back. But yeah, um, the ending of this movie pulls no punches whatsoever. I like I I, I was. I was of two minds on the ending. I was like, either they're going to find some way to make it permanent where he comes back permanently, or at least Ian is going to see his dad um, just for a few moments. And then that was going to go away. Dude, even Ian doesn't get to see his dad at the end of the movie. I, I can't believe how serious the ending of this movie was. That was yeah. so stupid. That was, well, and I, Miller sat there. I kept but, watching his face and, and just, I kept thinking and hoping, okay, maybe this, trick wasn't real maybe his dad gets to the ground but then i thought no mom's already got a new boyfriend so they're not gonna 
have right. her have a pick between the boyfriend and the dad. Um, and then, but I at least thought he would get out of that crater at the end and be able to go run, run up the hill to yeah. his dad or something. It was like so frustrating. Yeah. It was hard to watch, man. Like that, that ending was really hard to watch. I, uh, now that I know what happens, I think I could go back and watch it a second time and not be so affected by it. But yeah. like, it was emotional at the end. Um, I was, I was kind of holding back tears. Really like, emotional. I, Cause I, I was just the whole movie. You're, you're, you're trained. The movie trains you to, to expect that, that, um, huge payoff moment between Ian and his dad and you just don't get it. And at, like at, at the end, I was just like, is this how they're going to end this movie right. with Ian not even talking to his dad? Right. Um, so uh, yeah, it was a very interesting choice for an ending, but um, I don't know that I disliked it. It was just, it was just a big shocker. I think um, for audiences, probably uh, most people. True that. Yeah. Um, Miller favorite character. Um, Ian is a nice person. Mm-hmm. I think he he's really nice, but then you got all these characters who there's like millions of them. And there's funny ones. Who do you like the most? Do you like Chris Pratt's character or Tom Holland's character most? I mean Chris Pratt is super funny. Yeah. He swears. just gets he gets a lot into it, which I think is really, really, really kid friendly when he does that. But yeah, he he's he's super huge. But then you feel like he's muscled up. So, <laughs> but then Tom Holland is such a cool person. But Chris Pratt, I'm not lying, he is my favorite actress, actor, actor of all time. Yeah, cool. he's. I knew he was your favorite. So, yeah, it's it's got to be Chris Pratt. He's funny. Yeah, he is funny. Yeah, yeah, he's a uh, he's an an easy win for this movie. Like just once once I even found out that he was in this movie, I was like, okay, this this is gonna be a great character, and it, you know, it totally paid off exactly how you'd expect. He brings the the Dungeons and Dragons, the D and D game aspect of it to this movie. Like he is the character that you know, knows all the spells and stuff like that. And that's what I loved about his character the most was he was the informant. Like he was the one that was like basically telling Ian, this is what you need to do next. I, I thought it was a really interesting dynamic that he had all the, the know-how, like the brains of, of where to go, what spell to cast, how to get around this impossible situation using magic. Yeah. And, and yet he couldn't perform any of those magic like and I don't know if they fully explain that. Did they fully explain why Ian was the only one that could cast oh, magic? Well, I think you have to have it. Yeah, I think I think that's what his dad. Okay. Maybe his dad didn't have it. Maybe it skipped a generation. But his, um, you know, Chris Pratt's character, he played a really good slacker. And I think the fact is really good that, that the fact that he was a slacker is what allowed him to even learn how to how to how to do the spells, even though he couldn't do the spells. Yeah. Yeah, and so then he was the conduit for uh, Tom Holland's character Ian, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, they a team. Ian's a good name. Yeah, it's a good Ian's name. A good name. I like Barley too. His name. Um, I think both of those kind of fit their, their personalities. Um, yeah, um, he um, is like he really like you would think that 
the the guy the guy that's super into magic and you know has all these spells memorized and you know knows which creatures to avoid and which ones are safe and you know where to go to find you know the map for this or that or whatever like you would think that he would be also be the one that would be casting all the spells but um, I, I loved the dynamic that he wasn't the one that was doing that he's basically kind of sherpa sherpaing uh, Ian's character throughout the yeah he had to um, learn he had to, basically he had to learn he, he had to be able to teach him and pass that knowledge along, which was really cool. So, Miller, what do you think about their relationship? So, like during the movie, we kind of get a insight into like how they are as brothers. You know, they kind of, um, I mean, I think they've always loved each other, but they don't. They also seem to kind of live separate lives from each other. And this kind of movie, this movie kind of yeah. forces them to to be together and to work together. What would you think about all that? Is that enjoyable for you? That- Teamworks makes not too much of the dream work, but it does make. I love it. It just makes so good parts ha- have happier lives. Yeah, people have happier yeah. lives when they work together. Yeah, it's awesome. And you might not know this, but I've been in people's like personalities, and sometimes they just don't want people to help them. But still, you need to do that for them. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to cooperate. Yeah. With each other and help each other out. I learned that like time ago. You're a good team member, Miller. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you are a good teammate. Sometimes. Oh, okay. All right. On you. I stole one of your things yesterday. What? Yeah. <laughs> Telling on yourself. I stole a penny. It's okay. What? All right. It'll be fine. That's not very good. It's all good. It's a penny. Yeah, it's a penny. <laughs> <laughs> I need one penny. So um, I have a, a huge confession to make, uh, Jack. I, I know uh, you and I, we've talked about this on other podcasts we've been on. You and I are self-professed uh, two, two of the biggest Seinfeld fans of all time. Love it. Uh, I did not know that the mom in this movie was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I, I, I remembered and then I forgot and I kept forgetting. And then I went back later and I was like, oh yeah, that was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. That was Elaine uh, Bennis. And I, I mean, I'm like, she did a great job, but I just, I didn't know it was her uh, the entire movie. Her voice doesn't necessarily stick out in this movie. Wait, wait, who from Frasier? No, from, uh, from Seinfeld. <gasps> yeah. Uh, Elaine. Elaine from Seinfeld. Elaine? Was the mom. Yeah. It was the mom. What? Yeah. How old is she? Uh, she's probably in her fifties. Okay, not too bad. Right. <laughs> you don't need to be in your 80s. Oh, Grandma's gonna make some cookies for you. <laughs> she can't be. She can't be the original uh, Aunt Aunt May from Spider Man. From Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. She was Aunt May. No, never mind. Sorry, I'm 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 tracking. Continue, Phil. Back to you in the studio, Phil. <laughs> I, I think she did a great job as playing like the single mom that you know, is trying to raise two teenage boys um, and obviously is trying to, you know, make the most of, of her life, you know, what's, what, it, what it's become and, and how she's, you know, working to, to provide for them and, and, and yet trying to protect them and keep them safe. And she almost has like this, um, it, like half of her personality and half of the scenes that she's in, she's worried. She's showing you know, a typical mom. Like she's concerned. She's worried about her kids. But then other times, like she's, she's just excited about the adventure that they all kind of throw themselves on. And yes. the, the, uh, the relationship between 
uh, Laurel, who's the, the mom, and Corey, the, who's the manticore. Yes. Which Mil- Miller <laughs> mentioned the two of them together. So good. Almost kind of this side quest, <laughs> uh, to use D&D terminology, um, during this main quest that the boys are on. And I, I, loved, I honestly, I think I loved watching the two, those two ladies in the car together and like just chasing after these boys and um, the conversations that they got into. I think I enjoyed some of those scenes just as well, much as the ones with the, the two sons. I wanted more Manticore, didn't you? Yeah, oh yeah. She was great. Yeah. Uh, she's played by Octavia Spencer, who, again, I didn't know that it was her either um, yeah. until, until, again, the credits rolled. But yeah. um, she... Um, Award-winning actress. Um, I'm a huge actress. Um, the, the one that... Um, I always think of uh, the, help. Was, the help. Yes. She is so fantastic in the help. And I she's think that was in hidden me, figures. Like, she's in, yeah. She's in hidden figures. Yeah. She's in hidden figures. She's, movie she's done a, a lot of different stuff for, for Disney. She, she actually was, um, she was in Zootopia as a, uh, mm. as a voice. At, she did um, Mrs. Otterton. If you've seen Knew it, she's also in uh, the shape of water, Zootopia. which was a big movie too. I mean, she, or a uh, critically acclaimed movie, at least. So, and she's in Maul, where Maul didn't they? I, there's a horrible thing that happens in that movie. I think I can't remember. Uh, it's a, anyway, continue, Phil. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's it's funny. We actually watched Zootopia and Onward back to back, and I didn't even know that Octavia Spencer was in both of those movies. But um, yeah. Uh, she, uh, this is kind of the write-up that I found on, on Corey the Manticore. She's at least a thousand years old, but that's just middle age for her sp- species. She's part lion, part bat, part scorpion. And um, she used to be like this warrior uh, person, which I love when like some of that stuff comes out of her. Like she's yep. kind of uh, suppressed it, like kind of kept it down over the years, especially as technology has advanced in this uh, mushroomton town and stuff like that new, new mushroom i think is what's called and she's she's kind of become more and more you know docile uh, as a as a character as a person and she had this like critical tavern that was like this way station for travelers as as they would embark on their quests and stuff like that and now she like that tavern over time like there's no need for that because people aren't questing anymore or, you know, searching for, you know, uh, magical gems or anything like that. And right. so it's become like this family friendly <laughs> restaurant. Yeah. It's, it's basically like a, I, I kind of, there were moments where I kind of was like, is this, um, uh, like Chuck E. Che- it wasn't quite Chuck E. Cheese cause there weren't like games and stuff in there, but it kind of reminded me of, of that kind of kind of place. And uh, dude, that is so great. Like I, I loved every every aspect of her character in that restaurant. Um, <laughs> how it just spoke volumes to like how much this world is like, you know, degressed into this you know very uh, lackluster like right. magic culture. So really cool. Yeah, I um I thought that was really neat, especially the fact that she's so old and she had to adapt with the times because she lived that long. So anyway. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, pal. Um, I think one of the funnier scenes is the uh, shrinking scene where uh, Barley goes like super, super small and they're trying to like get him back up to full size and stuff like that. I thought that was really funny. What, what, uh, you guys can talk about that scene or other scenes. What, what, what were some of the laughs, I guess, in the movie for you guys? Um, I felt like, Miller, what was your favorite thing about the funniest thing in the movie? Do you remember? Funniest thing in the movie. 
Um, the smile. Mine was the smiley face on the dragon. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was really clever. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was when they when they were in the car and they looked at the kids menu for the Phoenix gym. For the map. It's like oh, yeah. little Emily knows how. <laughs> little Emily knows her words. And she figured it out. Yeah, and I laughed. We're having I laughed to go about. to this place now. That little Emily found out. <laughs> we're going to Ravens Point, which is about like one thousand miles. Yeah, there's a lot of humor, um, kind of that circles around kind of the the fanciful name. Like in our worlds, in in the real world that we all live in, D and D is just a game, and there's no such thing as magic. There's no such thing as you know the, all these mythical creatures. But for them, all that stuff was real, and it, like it, it could still actually be real. It was so, it was real, but like had faded away into story, like almost a storybook kind of world. It's really weird. Where's yeah. the dinosaurs? Uh, his van. I liked his van, Guinevere. Guinevere, yep. Pretty What's cool. Guinevere? That's the name of his van. That had the Pegasus on the side of it. Oh, yeah. Or just a unicorn. The Pegasus. Mm. It's such a jalopy and, and such a such a character. Like I, I felt like that... <laughs> That part that was just as much of a not just as much, but like like up there as as a character in the movie. Like I, I just loved just everything about that band and the the awful uh, unicorn or whatever painting on the side of it, and how he like ramp, ramps it into that um, like cr- rocky crag, you yeah, know, to to stop the, the, the bad guys at the end. Yeah, uh, Miller. Cops. <laughs> uh, Miller is going to check out Miller. Any last things? One last thing before you go. Um, what else? Uh, tell folks. Why uh, they should, uh, what you really thought about the movie completely, and uh, just real quick, uh, should they make another one of these? They should make one, like the second one, and then they had the third kid, and it's going to be named whatever the dad's name was. Is there, was there a small child? No? So the, the Colt Bronco, the new, the new boyfriend, and, and, the mom are going to have a child. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> they could. Oh, they could. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Um, Phil, have a great day. Everyone else, please don't give COVID nineteen. Oh yes, we don't want to get that, do we? And Thanks people that, that have COVID nineteen, grab a sword and just rip it off of you. Oh, oh, I don't know if they can oh. remove it like that. They can. But by a sword. By sword, you meant um, wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> That's your sword. There you go. All right. Thanks, Miller. Thanks for coming in today. Bye. See you, pal. See if you can make it out of the studio here. All right. All right, Phil. You and me, pal. Yeah. Um. Speaking of sword, I, I guess we could talk about kind of some of the action scenes and the the um, of course the the big action scene being the the very end when they're fighting a dragon. It's like this artificial dragon that's kind of um, wasn't it made up of like just trash and like well, the metal? phoenix. It was uh, made of uh, up of concrete, and the phoenix uh, oh, right. gem basically turns things into things like that. Pretty cool. Yeah. 
That was really awesome. I, I love that it was, um, again, I think the whole point of this movie, as far as the setting of it, and honestly, a lot of the plot too, is about that juxtaposition between um, the, the magic worlds and the technology modern worlds. And it was so perfect, I thought, to me, to have them fight a dragon which you would, you've seen in a million movies that are fantasy movies, but it's not your typical dragon. It's literally made out of, out of concrete. Like it's just, it's just a um, concoction of just everything that it could find around it, which is basically suburban lifestyle, you know, like they were fighting the suburban dragon. I thought was just really, really brilliant. Pixar is so good at that kind of stuff. Like is that our new band name, suburban dragon, suburban dragon. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Uh, we're the suburban dragons. Well, we, we couldn't play a lot like imagine dragons. <laughs> suburban dragons. Anyway, continue. Um, I loved the moment where uh, Ian, uh, like his staff gets away from him or completely destroyed or I can't remember exactly. It's been like a week and a half since I've seen it. I'm forgetting some of the small details, but um, I do remember the part where he takes like that splinter. Like it's just like a, the tiniest little splinter off of the, off of the uh, staff that he's been using for the entire movie mm-hmm. and basically uses that splinter to cast. Like it, it says a lot about like, it's not about the, uh, the instrument, it's about like the person wielding it. And so like, like he, he can take literally a splinter off of a staff, a magic staff and cast, um, you know, this massive magic spell to, um, to, uh, you know, buy some time and, and help, um, yeah, Corey, and Corey actually plunge the sword into the, could literally turn heart. a splinter into basically whatever. If there's a, that spell he used, Whatever the amount of, uh, as long as there is something of that, uh, basically, what, it, what 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 did he say exactly? It was like, uh, if there is anything left of whatever that is, then you can turn it into what it was. So like, mm-hmm. it, it you can recreate almost anything out of that. We're using that spell. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um. Man, that ending that was like soul crushing. Like yeah. I, I, I mean, it was. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, torn on the ending. I, I think it was both a great storytelling ending and also just like, can it, can it be both? Like, can it be like disappointing to watch, but also like really good storytelling? I, I think Pixar, um, you know, they're just gonna do what they want to do, and you know, if they want to say, hey, Ian doesn't get to meet his father at the end. Um, so be it, you know, and, and I think Bar- Barley actually does pass along a message. Like he says, you know, um, our dad says he's proud of you or whatever. Uh, and he wants to, we wanted to give you this and he hugs. Yeah. Him. It just hugs him. I'm just, it's a, one of those things where, um, very sad. Like I felt like it could have easily, man, just give him, him and his kid like one moment together. Like that, that kind of surprised me. Like, yeah. Like that, 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 I don't know. It, it's like he's never met his dad, so the writing of the movie was okay. Well, you know he doesn't need to meet his dad. Wait, what? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not no. Like, he would want to meet his dad. Like almost, like all. I don't want to say more than his brother, but like, holy crap! Like, he needed to meet his dad, but they didn't. I, they didn't do it, which is fine. It's a movie. I mean, whatever. But yeah, like that surprised me. Like I, I'm surprised that. 
He didn't just hop out. And then when he comes out of the crater at the end of the movie, he literally just reaches his hand up and his brother reaches down and pulls him out. Like, dude, right. you, you can do magic. Like <laughs> you could have. Yeah. I think, I feel like there's a levitation spell or something you could have done <laughs> or just jumped up on a couple rocks and climbed out and ran to your yeah. dad. Like it was just weird. And it's a movie for movie's sake. And that's how they wanted to tie it up. But, like literally like, you know, an hour of movie time right before this, um, he was literally um walking across nothing. Like he was like like he spans that that uh that canyon or whatever that they had to cross. Yes. Like the bridge the bridge wouldn't come down. Like so he can do that and then but then he can't get out of like a little um you know and, concrete concrete cave basically. And <laughs> and then when they then when they get to the juxtaposition where they can't go on with their quest like all hope is lost moment that, that yeah. are in, in in almost every movie he takes his torsola's father the legs and he goes well you can go try to do that i'm just gonna spend what little time i have left with my dad and him mm-hmm. and his dad sit mm-hmm. and look out at over the bay and it's like okay well so i guess in the movie you're meant to believe that that was his moment with his father Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I but but even that. then, like, it's still not. <coughs> I, I, anyway, whatever. <laughs> it's not really his dad. Just, just his legs. Well, you know, where there's the legs, there. <laughs> never mind. I'm not sure. There's no real analogy for this. Uh, now, Jack, you're old enough to get this reference, and I, I don't know that um, maybe some of our listeners are, but but we we are both uh, in our 40s, and mm, so uh, early 40s, sir. <laughs> Very early 40s. Come on, um, man. Did did you get any? Did you at any point during the movie did you think about Weekend at Bernie's? Yes, <laughs> it was very Weekend at Bernie's. Uh, it was uh, you had to design ways to not lose your father's legs. Yeah, just like in Weekend at Bernie's one and two, they had design ways to not lose Bernie, the dead, <laughs> the dead corpse that they were carrying around. Yeah. Who in the second, actually a tie-in here, in the second came alive at times with voodoo magic. So really this movie is just Weekend with Bernie's 2. <laughs> Much like on the horror movie podcast this past week, we talked about Kazam just being the new uh, Lion King movie. No, no, Aladdin, Aladdin movie. Kazam was just the, Aladdin, the new Aladdin movie. Yeah. They're the same. Totally the same. Beat for beat. Um, I, I thought one of the clever, it has nothing to do with like the overall plot, but like the, uh, another, another thing I think Pixar is really great at, at creating are these like little mini plots, like little mini movies within a movie. And I thought one of the, one of the great scenes in the movie um, just along their journey of, of, of this quest, this epic quest that they're going on is when they got pulled over by the cops. Again, yeah. a very modern, like non, <laughs> non-fantasy kind of thing to have happen, but like they legit get pulled over. And um, he, he does that spell where it, it, um, you know, it makes them look different than they actually are. So they, right. they, they pretend that they're Colt, Colt Bronco. And, um, but the the spell the way that the spell works is if they tell a lie it starts to wear off so even one lie will like start to to disable the illusion that they're creating for the people that are watching them and so they're kind of doing this like um like uh if you ever 
like I've seen commercials about this, but like like a birthday party where there's two people inside of the same horse. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that that kind of thing. Like someone's the front legs, someone's the back legs. They're kind of doing this whole song and dance type of thing. But he's also trying not to lie, and every time he tells a lie, you know, it's the magic is unraveling. I thought that was really clever. I, just the way that, that that scene played out. It right. was really, really fun to watch. Um, and then it ends very seriously. Like there's a lot of laughs, laughs and, you know, them, him trying to like, uh, you know, answer a question with a question or like, you know, uh, you know, not, not exactly address the question that they're asking so he can get away with, you know, moving on the conversation without, without technically lying and stuff like that. I thought all that was really clever, but then it ends really seriously at the ends where they're like, you know, he, they're asking him about his brother about Barley and Barley's right there. And Ian has to uh, respond and say like, Oh yeah, he is kind of a, I forget what the word he is, but. Uh, oh, he's like a, like not a loser, but basically yeah. calling him a loser. Like, like really yeah. weird. And, like then, a slacker. and obviously that's the truth because when he says that nothing, the magic doesn't, you know, disrupt at all. all right. He says that um, his brother's kind of a deadbeat. So that's uh, what it is. Yeah, so that I mean that after that they have some awkward silence in the car, and I don't know. I I, I thought there was so much like scenes in this movie of just silence between them that spoke volumes, and how they are coming to grips with themselves. I know you can say that about a lot of movies, so I'm, I'm maybe speaking some cliche here, but there were there were moments where they were literally learning about themselves just as much as they were about the magic or the quest or the gem or the, their dad. Like they were, you know, coming to terms with who they were as people as well. So I, I thought all that was brilliant. Right. Agreed. So, and it, it's well di- done. It was well done moving. It's a good movie. And it's different. Like I know I'm speaking in cliche and like, Oh, you know, you know, the real quest was, you know, learning about themselves. Ah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah, pal. And like a thousand movies have done that before this, but not in this setting. And I think that's how this movie can get away with some of that stuff is like, because of how fascinating this magic meets modern setting is, I think it gets away and the fact that it's animated and the fact that it's brilliantly voice acted. I mean, all the, all the different pieces, right? I think it gets away with some, some th- themes or some reveals or whatever that a lot of people consider cliche just mm-hmm. because of how fantastic the animation, the storytelling, right. the acting, all that stuff is, is, is done. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I overall, I mean, it's a good movie and honestly, like for the circumstances that, um, but the circumstances it's been released in, I mean, it couldn't have done a better job. And honestly, like other movies, fates, like think about this, the other movies, fates that are in the theater that were in the theaters at the time. I mean, I'm sure some of those are on uh, video on demand, but they're not Disney properties. So they don't have another good alternate way to get in front of people to get, to make some of the money back at least, or, or maybe to drive, maybe if nothing else, just to drive subscribers to Disney plus. So yeah. Um, any other scenes that that we haven't discussed that you wanted to to bring up? No, I play um, uh, video game wise. I play Skyrim a lot. You and I have talked about that uh, in you know a lot. And uh, this always this reminded me a lot of Skyrim. Like there's just a lot of things that are very Skyrim esque to the. Oh thing. yeah. So so I kind of appreciated that aspect of it, and I've always enjoyed uh, fantasy stuff anyway. So I, I thought it was it was ripe for the picking. And I felt like it was a good idea to do this uh, movie. It just like, again, like 
this one and Soul will go down as the two movies that the COVID uh, messed with as far as Pixar went. And I don't know how many how many years has Pixar released two movies? I don't I don't know that it's ever happens. Have, have they released two? Well, I can't I mean, remember I, a year. I, I don't. I guess before like Sequelville, like they've they've kind of gotten into sequels um, with some of their franchises like Toy Story and and right. um, Cars and stuff like but that. With good reason. I mean, maybe not Cars too, but but the rest of them, sure. Yeah, but I I don't know. Maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it happened like ten years ago or whatever. But I, I think it's been a very long time since Pixar has released two brand new IP in the same year. Um, and so yeah, it's kind of a big year for them. And um, I I agree with Miller. I I think or, uh, both you guys are kind of talking about it, but I would love to see a sequel to this. I I don't know how you do it um, because they've kind of explored kind of the main aspect of this world and they ha- almost have to go a completely different direction almost kind of like finding dory did but um uh, i read a thing online that they were going to try to do a, a prequel oh a prequel that'd be cool with yeah. um uh, wilden i guess i mean her, their dad assuming and or maybe the manticore or that sort of thing i mean you've yeah. got that character so you could do that um anyway i i felt like that's probably yeah i think that's a good idea now they're going to want to wait a couple of years <laughs> yeah yeah, I. Uh, I mean, all filming is halted right now, right? For all movies, right? I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like, if you if your movie is entirely CGI, I mean, people can work from home and get on their computers and and animate. So I I, I don't know. I don't know how. Like I I follow a lot of video game podcasts and just kind of video game news in general, mm-hmm. and from a lot of from what I've heard is development studios that make games that make video games are pretty much maybe not working at a hundred percent right now, but they're at like 80% or higher. Maybe like they, everyone's just working from home and, you know, maybe remoting into a PC at at work via, you know, an internet connection or whatever. But like a lot of people, if you work on a computer for a living, you can do that from home. And I think a lot of people just took their computers home with them (laughs) and just kept working. So not a big stretch. Yeah. I now if you're going into a, onto a set like to you know to to shoot a scene with other actors and you know director and producer and key grip and <laughs> all the people and stuff like that that's a different thing right. um so yeah it will be interesting to see if there's like a i don't think there's gonna be a gap in movie releases ever especially since we took like three or four months off of the, the theaters and so many movies got postponed <laughs> for their yeah. releases but I, it will be interesting to see if there's kind of a, a gap in creativity or, you know, like a year from now, what, what, are, what do movies look like? You know, how are they different than they would have had there been no coronavirus? It can be inter- interesting to see. Mm-hmm. But, right. Um, I think one of the last things I have to say about like the plot and what happens in the movie, um, I, I'm kind of looking over some of my notes. I think we've covered kind of the, the biggest things I wanted to talk about, but I, I kind of love that they, end up finding the gem exactly where they started. <laughs> like literally in town. He was, Marley was doing that, that uh, like kind of political statement or whatever at, you know, don't tear down this fountain or whatever yeah. at the beginning of the movie. And then the gem is literally in the fountain at the, at the end of the movie. I, I, and they literally like just did a circle. They, they get on that river, that underground river. And then they, they pop up and they climb the, you know, ascend up to the surface after going down that huge long river, and it's and it's just a manhole cover, and they're like right back in town in New, New Mushroomton. <laughs> I just, I just thought that was really great. So, um, 
yeah, I don't know. There's there's just some really clever storytelling and and you know some surprises. I I think if you especially if you didn't watch the trailer or whatever, I I think there's places that this movie goes that you would have never called from you know the first ten minutes of it. So right. it was cool. Yeah, it was it was uh, well put together. The um, I, I, you're right about um, Julie, Julie Louis Dreyfus and her character, like her character was fine and it, her acting was great, but she as her disappeared into that character, and so you didn't think about it. Yeah, and, and that's good. That's what actors. That's what actors and actresses do, right? So it's good. Yeah, uh, we didn't even talk about like the sprites. Um, yeah, they were like these like comedy relief. Yeah, they were really funny. Like they they used to be able to fly, but they they like basically kind of over time have just like de evolved, if that's a word, like into. They, you know, they didn't use that. They didn't use their uh, their wings, so they've you know they just have they don't know how to use them anymore. And, and then luckily, and they're bikers now. <laughs> doesn't Ian help them? Yeah. Yeah, like they, I think I can't remember exactly how it is, but they're they're put in a in a situation where they're forced to fly, basically, and yeah. so they they kind of you know learn like instinct kicks in or whatever, and they they're able to to pull it off. But I I love uh they were able to do a lot of like just opposite kind of turn it on its head type of things, and I think one of the the big ones in this movie is like the smallest creatures that you ever see in this world are these like biker gang characters. Yeah. Um, I thought that a chip um, on the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Small man syndrome. Really funny. To be fair, I think Zootopia has done a lot of that kind of stuff too. Um, as far as like, you know, what you expect to see is the opposite of what you actually see because right. of the freedom that they have in the world that they're building. But yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. Unbelievable. And awesome. Cool. Well, I mean, obviously, if you've listened to all this, either you didn't care about spoilers or you've already seen the movie and and, uh, and you either agree or disagree with us. If, if you have some different opinions on the movie, maybe you didn't like the movie very much, let us know. Disney Plus Reviews at Hotmail.com. We'd love to get your thoughts on it and see what you thought about the movie. And and uh, if you, I promise you, if you write into the show or send us an audio file through an email to that email address, uh, we'll play you on the show. We'll we'll read your comments on the show next week. We'll maybe start out the show with just kind of some some uh, you know response to this episode and, and see what people really thought about right on. the movie. So even if you agree with us, even if you you know want to just add to the conversation, we'd love to to play you as well. So what else? Have you been watching on Disney Plus, Jack? Have you had time to get into anything else recently? Obviously, you and I both uh, watched Kazam on Disney Plus for the yeah. old, old movie podcast, which that episode's live. If you want to go over there, folks, and listen to more, Phil and I talk about a really epically horrible movie that is Kazam. Uh, I continue to watch the animated stuff that's on uh, Disney Plus. I would also challenge you all to try the what I've been calling the do not vomit challenge uh, and uh, attempt to watch some of the old Marvel animated stuff. Iron Man, the old Fantastic Four from the early 90, early to mid 90s. Uh, I dare you not to vomit watching how poor <laughs> how poor it is and how crappily it's done. And the animation's bad and the stories are bad and the voice acting is bad. Uh, but it's still Marvel, so it's kind of funny to watch on this very premium 
cutting edge, great streaming service, and <laughs> it's like junk. Like it's just like junk. Like Black Hole was junk. This is also junk. So yeah, uh, I, I may have blacked out there for a second. If, if Jack already said this, I apologize. But uh, the the horrible movie podcast has had a search for that episode. We're not gonna. I, I thought about posting it on Disney Plus reviews, but I mean, ah. people, people can find it and listen to it if they want to. So absolutely, your podcast player of choice. Just type in the horrible movie podcast and just download the latest episode for. Yeah that podcast it's a podcast that we've been doing for many many years and um kind of been taking a little bit of a break from it but still put posting new episodes every so often so jump in there we did a full episode on uh kazam about almost as lengthy as as any of the episodes we do for disney plus reviews sure. uh you're guaranteed to laugh during that episode i think we have a, a lot of good uh humor about the movie Dude, so. if you watch the movie you'll You'll laugh because it is bad. It's so yeah. bad. Uh, Phil's epic, epic uh, shack quotes are uh, phenomenal. Dude, the 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 rhyme the rhyme rapping in that movie is some of the worst I've ever heard. Well, it's not even really rapping. Like he's like it's, Shaq's it's not really even poetry. rapping. He's just like talking in in rhymes, and which yeah. I, maybe some some would say nay, that is rapping, and I would say nay, what he is doing is not <laughs> rapping. It's more. Open mic night poetry slam. It's an icy hot patch commercial. <laughs> it's a general commercial, the general insurance commercial. Well, Jack, it just so happens that what you've been watching recently on Disney Plus is the same thing I've been watching on Disney Plus, and that was Kazam. Uh, because of Kazam, and frankly, because of WrestleMania this weekend, and uh, and honestly, just work. I I work. I put in overtime hours last week through work. I'm working from home, and it's been insane. Uh, I'm an IT guy for a college, and so you can imagine there's just a lot to do right now. But I think it's finally slowing down this week, so I, I should have more time to watch Disney Plus. But that is literally all I watched on Disney Plus this la- past week. Besides Utopia, uh, was Kazam, and and. Uh, Boy, I will never go back and watch that movie ever again. No one should. In my As no one should, unless you're going to listen to our podcast. So, <laughs> I think I have, believe it or not, I think, well, I might have said this last week too, but I, I think I'm down to like five or six episodes uh, to, of catch up from season six of The Clone Wars. So I am almost there. I'm at, at the home stretch. After 112 episodes, whatever that I've watched, I can, Unreal. Surely, I can surely watch the last five or six. So, Good it uh, out. Yeah, so I'm going to finish those up this week and it'll be I, perfect timing because we're going to come back and talk about Clone Wars next week anyway. I truly I truly enjoyed season six of the Clone Wars. So Yeah, um, it's really you're good. In, you're in for a treat. The finale is good. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. It's really Yeah, good. I don't even know what happens in the finale. No, enjoy it. I enjoyed it. So Yeah, I, I thought both season five and season six have, have been really phenomenal. Um, right. I, I I've decided, I, I think one of my favorite side characters in all of the Clone Wars, like someone that's not even close to a main character. I mean, she, she appears in like maybe seven total episodes mm-hmm. in, all, in all seven seasons of the show is um, Satine, who's like the, yes, I, I almost said Empress, but that's not her title. I can't remember what, what they call her. She is basically kind of the reigning um, you know, prime minister, I guess, of, of Mandalore. I can't remember yeah. the exact you know, Duch- there was a Duchess. Mo- the Duchess yeah. Satine is what they call it. Right. Her. There was a moment too that like when people were like people were doing their fan theories on who who was Ray, 
who whose parents are Ray's parents. Oh. And we, before before we saw the new uh, Star Wars, there were people that were speculating. They thought one of the theories might be that she Obi-Wan. was in fact Obi Wan's grandchild. Uh, maybe Satine, uh, Satine grandchild. Then we could have you know, I don't know, but that obviously didn't pan out. So she is such a great character. She she's so strong, and and yet pacifist. Which I think is a very interesting combination. Well, she, especially the man, 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 Mangalores. The man, the Mandalore people aren't really pacifists, so yeah. it's kind of interesting. So. During this time period, they are. But you're right; like Mandalore, Mandalorians whole, just in yeah, general have been kind of like a warring oh, tribe. Yeah, they're like the bad dudes. So, but yeah, um, I love her character, and I love how unwaver, unwavering she is. Like she is very steady, very solid. Like you know, what will not. Uh, compromise any of her beliefs for any reason and of course her love for obi-wan is is really sweet to watch and obi-wan like clearly like is willing he's not willing to go as far as anakin which is like i'm going to forsake the jedi order and everything for the woman that i love um you know just do do my own thing but i mean obi-wan knows that like if you're a jedi you're basically a monk like you're not going to have you know, a relationship with any, any member of the opposite sex or whatever. And, and yet he can't deny his, his romantic feelings for Satine. And that's really sweet to watch. So I just, I really, really like her character a lot. And uh, her end, her ends, which happens actually happens in season five, I think is a, is a great uh, series of events and very powerful moment for Mm Obi-Wan. And I think shapes him going forward from that point. Uh, Right. So yeah, it's, Really good stuff. I can't wait to finish it and then get into... I've not watched episode... Was it seven? I started it and, and then we got... Something happened and I had to turn it off. So I haven't watched either yet. So Okay. Hopefully it gets for, better. I'm hoping for good things. <laughs> Go back if you haven't uh, listened to our latest episode. or oh. it, And I should have said this at the top of the show. If, if you're new to Disney Plus Reviews, maybe, maybe you just tuned in for Onward. Uh, spoiler talk and that's what, how you found us we are an uh, unofficial disney plus podcast review reviewing the most popular stuff on disney plus and one of the things that we've been doing is covering every single episode of the final season of the clone war season seven and so you'll find them in batches of two so if you look through our history of episodes we did episodes one and two of season seven as a single episode on the podcast then three and four is another episode then five and six is another episode go back and, and listen to five and six but let's just say we were less than enamored with how right. this uh, current story arc is started out so hopefully it gets better in the last the last two episodes and, and i'm glad that you made the executive decision that we cover two at a time because i couldn't imagine doing one of those at a time and and then expecting i mean literally those episodes would have been like 15 minutes longer they would have been been just me yelling yeah and because of planet comic-con in kansas city we actually were at one point planning on covering only episode five at (laughs) planet (laughs) comic-con which would have been one of the worst disasters uh in our podcast so (laughs) and actually new news here new news here i got an email today from from them about trying to do the panel when they reschedule in august which that'll be interesting to see what that even what the world even looks like in august from now Oh yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I, I think I told them we're going to have to change. I go, the, the panel yeah. is going to have to change because it was a whole different thing. So I'm really hoping by, by August we've got 
Winter Soldier, uh, Falcon and Winter, Winter Soldier to talk about. It's yeah, supposed that would to, be great. It's supposed to launch about that same time in August. Yes. And so hopefully we've got at least episode one to talk about, but that would be really fun. I think that's the next big thing as far as like a series. I know we're Star Wars nerds, but but I, I think that's kind of the next big thing. And, and then of course, as soon as, um, sorry, that's not Star Wars, that's Marvel, but you get what I'm saying. Um, Marvel and Star Wars are kind of our thing, but and then I think right after that, once Falcon and Winter Soldier wraps up, I think we can descend straight into Mandalorian season right. two. So that'd be some pretty good uh, TV watching. Sure thing. So, okay. Well, um, anything else to add? Anything I, did, I forgot to mention? No. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking about Clone Wars. I mean, good, bad, or ugly, whatever it is. Uh, looking forward to it. So, yeah. But, uh, I'm still I, I coming just, off of a, and this is not Disney related, but I'm still coming off of a uh, two day uh, binge of wrestling from WrestleMania because we're uh, you and I, you and I both. So yeah, I do. This is one of the best WrestleManias I, in my opinion. It was yeah. a weird one, but it was it was the Fun. content was so Stor- good so storytelling good. and <laughs> what a good well, effort. Well, I, we got, I give them credit for the effort alone, like. We got so many hours of it too. Like, if you include the pre-shows, there was essentially like eight hours of WrestleMania this yeah. weekend. So yeah. it was uh, pretty cool to watch. But that's a topic for a different podcast, I guess. So, well, thanks for joining us this week. I hope you enjoyed our conversation about Onward. We will be back next week to discuss ho- the hopefully better uh, conclusion to the four-episode story arc that we're in with Ahsoka Tana. I love Ahsoka. I hope it gets a lot better. I'll be even more excited to see her in the final four-episode story arc that they're doing in Season 7. But uh, I'm just hoping that Episodes 7 and (laughs) 8 turn out just even good. I I think I would just be happy with just good episodes, not even great episodes uh, as as far as how this this story arc is going. But we'll see how how it ends. So we'll catch you next week. Uh, probably post on uh, Sunday night or Monday uh, next week for those episodes and make sure you're up on Clone Wars so that you can jump in and join in the conversation with us. We'll see you then. All right. See you.